Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. There's a lot going on. And when there's a lot going on in the Queen City, I don't know who better to bring on than Scott Fowler, columnist, Charlotte Observer. You can find him on Twitter, at Scott underscore Fowler. Also host of the Sports Legends of the Carolinas podcast. You can find it in written form as well on the Charlotte Observer. All right, I think that covers it. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, we really appreciate it. There's a lot to get to. I did want to lead off with the Miles Bridges press conference yesterday. Everybody can go check out your thoughts as well in an article that you wrote on the Charlotte Observer. Again, follow Scott on Twitter at Scott underscore Fowler. Scott, what do you think Miles Bridges accomplished during his press conference, if anything? Well, uh, you know, I give them some credit, Miles and the Hornets, for doing this at all. They could have slow played it and, and not even made him available to the media until, say, September when training camp started and then, or just stuck on a written statement. He did answer questions. Uh, he answered questions until there were no more questions. So, uh, what he got accomplished? Well, he publicly apologized. Uh, you saw him actually do it. Uh, he did not offer a lot of specifics, but I would say he, uh, you know, in some ways ripped the Band-Aid off. Uh, they, they, that needed to happen. It was just a matter of when. Scott, I was also, we talked about it yesterday, of course. He absolutely apologized. There wasn't a lot of specifics. That's something I was a little disappointed in. I'm not saying that I was surprised, but I was a little disappointed in the lack of specificity. Like Mitch Kupchak wouldn't give you details on the investigation. That can often be problematic. Miles Bridges did talk about therapy, but he didn't really specify as to how he hopes to be a better man and a more trustworthy player and and member of the Charlotte Hornets. Were you surprised or disappointed about the lack of details that we got? Well, I would have liked to have some more. Some of those uh, you mentioning were questions I asked specifically. And right. and I think they could have gone a little further on that, uh, a few more specifics. I, I will say, you know, Miles Bridges probably stuck to the script that he went in there with, which was we're gonna, you know, uh, I'm going to apologize for the pain and embarrassment I've caused, which, you know, I mean, that's not nothing. To say that is uh, publicly is probably embarrassing uh and you know deservedly so i wish he had offered a few more specifics but i think they were being very careful scott uh going over to the carolina panthers and training camp is right around the corner what's your number one storyline as they enter training camp well (laughs) i think you got to put bryce young on the pedestal there uh wes and then after that it's uh, everything else. And so I think, you know, we're, we're going to swarm the Bryce Young story, as I'm sure many media outlets uh, will, but we're going to have multiple people down there every day and, and a lot of eyes uh, glued to, to Bryce Young. You know, beyond that, I think who's going to be his primary target as a wide receiver. And I know they want Hayden Hurst to work out at tight end. Frank Reich uses the tight end a lot. Uh, you know, there's a lot of auxiliary storylines who's going to rush the passer besides Brian Burns. But 
far and away it's Bryce Young. And then, Scott, playing off of Bryce Young as well, his contract's not done. Brian Burns, they've extended an offer that's yet to be signed. What do you make of those two situations, and which one do you think could be done first before training camp? I would guess probably Bryce Young's because there's just not much wiggle room in that. I mean, with the the rookie scale now, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of things you can do, but it's it's not like you can give the guy the moon. I mean, it's just it's just slotted. It's going to be what it's going to be. So I'm not even quite sure why he hasn't signed it yet, honestly. But I would <laughs> expect that to happen before training camp. Brian Burns, I mean. They want him. He wants to be here. But money-wise, uh, that could be a little bit more problematic. I don't expect Brian Burns to hold out or anything. But, uh, you know, it, it hasn't happened yet. And that's, you know, that's probably because they're asking for a very big number. And as, as well, they probably should. Well, and Scott, we can go back to a year ago. It was pretty bleak. I know a lot of people wanted Matt Rule fired. Eventually he would be after just five games into the next season. But, man, things have changed drastically. Now a lot of people are very high on what the Panthers did this offseason. I know I am very happy with what they did. Do you expect with that pride that this could be the busiest training camp that you've been to? Like, so What's the busiest training camp you've ever attended, and could this one rival it? Mm, busiest, maybe, you know, one of the cam years probably. I mean, uh, there was, you know, hard to say which one, but uh, the 2015 one where Cam and Josh Norman got into a brawl, uh, you know, was probably the biggest news story I've ever seen at a, at a training camp uh, live. I mean, that happened about 10 yards in front of me. But in terms of, you know, th- this team doesn't have the star power as, as those teams with Cam and Luke and Thomas Davis and Olsen did. Uh, but it does have, I would say, you know, it's, it, you'd have to reach back at least into the Rivera era. I mean, the Matt Rule teams were very uh, star power deficient. And so this one has more of that. So I think, you know, the biggest one at least in several years. That is the voice of Scott Fowler of the Charlotte Observer joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Again, follow him on Twitter at Scott underscore Fowler. Also host of the Sports Legends of the Carolina podcast. You can see the written version as well on Charlotte Observer. And that's exactly where I want to go next, Scott, because you had a pretty fascinating conversation with Armani Edwards. Definitely a Carolina legend, no doubt about it, after what he did with Appalachian State. Also, the reason it was fascinating, I feel like we learned a lot. This is one where we learned stuff that maybe even the diehard App State fans didn't know about his run with the Mountaineers and even during his time with Carolina. What's one of the more surprising things you learned about Armani Edwards and his run here in the Carolinas? Yeah, um, thank you for mentioning that. Uh, We've done about 30 of these uh, sports legends interviews, and that one to me was one of the most fascinating because Armani, who I would argue might be the best college quarterback ever uh, in the state of North Carolina, I don't mean as a pro necessarily, but I mean in what he did. I mean, two national championships, two-time national player of the year at the FCS level, unbelievable. But I guess what I was you know, most surprised at really was the way he described the end of his tenure with the Panthers, and he, you know, he, was, he was very honest. He thought it was a 100% a Dave Gettleman decision. He told that story uh, 
very honestly, I'd, I'd refer you back to, you can find it on charlotteobserver.com or on the podcast, but he said it left a sour taste in his mouth. And it, uh, after you listened to it, uh, you could understand why. I mean, it was a, it was not at all <laughs> an easy parting uh, by Armani's standards. And Armani is a very calm person. So it's not too often he gets, uh, he gets upset. And he was obviously upset at how it ended here. Yeah, and Scott, getting into that piece, uh, it was very, very much a, a great piece. And so when you look at that, do you feel like that it reflected bad on Carolina? Because talking about how he was only drafted to put butts in seats and how he wasn't coached properly at the wide receiver position and they, the, the regime before that, uh, they were coaching up the guys that they knew would play and then Rivera comes in and, and things got a little bit better. Uh, but on that previous regime under John Fox, do you think that really reflected bad on them as a staff and then the organization as well? Well, you know, it's one man's opinion with Armani. I mean, he's, he's giving his uh, side of the story there for sure. I'm sure, uh, you know, the people at that time, that, I mean, Marty Herney drafted him and wanted him to be a star, but uh, it certainly didn't work out. But yeah, uh, sure. I thought it did not reflect very well on the, on the Panthers and, and how they handled the whole situation, and particularly uh, how Gettleman handled his uh, release. You know, the way Armani described that story in pretty granular detail. Uh, I did text with Dave Gettleman and, you know, tell him this was coming out, and he texted back, a very gracious text back, said, you know, thank you for offering, offering me this opportunity, but I'm going to decline comment. So, he did not want to get into it. And Dave Gettleman, since he's retired, really, has not done uh, many interviews. I will say of Dave Gettleman, you know, he built what I believe was the best Panther team ever, that 2015 team. Uh, but, you know, there, there's some bumps along the way. And he's a he's a blunt guy. And the way Armani described it, I'm sure, is, is the, the way that Armani perceived that it happened because he's a very honest person. And then looking back, all the things that you talked about with him with the Michigan upset, how do you view that upset today uh, as you sit there and look at this App State program? Do you still feel that it is arguably the greatest upset in college football history? I do. I do. Um, you know, I had a cause to look back at that since I was um, doing the story. And 16 years later, I mean, I think it still holds up. I mean, there have been other FCS teams that have beaten uh, you know, powerhouses happens a couple of times every year in the in the early, and it's always compared though to this one. I think in a way, it's like uh, when Chaminade beat Virginia in basketball when Ralph Sampson was at Virginia. I mean, I think this is one. And we still mention that sometimes as old timers anyway. Not you, young guys, but maybe you guys too. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, we still mention that Virginia upset as one of the greatest in college basketball history, probably only surpassed by the uh, NCAA tournament loss Virginia had uh, under Tony Bennett here many years later. But I think this one we'll be talking about in 20 more years. You know, we'll say, oh, yeah, but was it as good as App State over Michigan? You know, that, that, was, that was really uh, kind of the bell cow, I think, for college football upsets. Scott, how would you say Armani's doing now after your conversation with him in the, uh, you know, unfortunate end with his uh, Carolina Panthers tenure? Seemed uh, seemed happy to me. Um, you know, he's got two children, uh, he and his wife, very involved in their lives. They live in Charlotte, which, you know, I had not even realized until we did this interview. We did this interview in our own podcast studio at the Charlotte Observer. I thought I was going to go to Boone, but uh, no, he they live here. And, you know, his, his 
Canadian Football League career was much more successful than than his NFL career. Won a championship there. Had several years around a thousand receiving yards. So, and you know, seems to have found a, a niche. You know, I hope, I think, in the business world, he's you know, kind of a. I don't, I don't understand all the financial stuff exactly, but he does a lot of uh, trading uh, financially, and that's you know kind of what he's doing. He got his degree in three and a half years, and he's a smart guy. Uh, so I think, I think he's doing well. Well, and, and last question before we get you out of here, Scott. You just released a new episode of Sports Legends of the Carolinas. This time you got Chris Paul. I mean, you're getting some great guests on these things. What can people expect in this interview and podcast with the point God, as people like to call him? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, Chris Paul was a, was another really fun one. Uh, he We spoke to him in uh, partly in Winston-Salem. He was there. He's got a new book, I should mention, that was, you know, it's good. Uh, and that's part of the, you know, we part of the reason probably he was able to give me as much time as he did. Uh, but it's about his. The book and a lot of the interview is honestly about his grandfather's murder in 2002 when he was tragically uh, killed uh, in Winston-Salem, and he's a big part of Chris Paul's life even today. Also talk some about the trade to Golden State, uh, some of his great days at Wake Forest. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun to, uh, to talk to CP3. It's a really good get, especially right now with Chris Paul changing teams and really crossing enemy lines, going to Golden State. And so you can check that out on uh, Scott Fowler's Twitter feed. Put that out there, Scott underscore Fowler, written version and podcast version of Sports Legends of the Carolinas. Scott, it's always a great time. Thank you so much for talking various topics with us. Thanks, Scott. All right. Thank you, guys. Love your show. Talk to you later. Bye. Appreciate it.